Welcome to the Money Insights Podcast, where high-income earners come to learn wealth-building strategies that will take them from high income to high net worth. With your hosts, financial and wealth-building experts, Christian Allen and Rod Zabriskie. Welcome into another episode of the Money Insights Podcast, where we talk all things money and business. My name's Christian Allen, and I'm here with my co-host, Rodney the Pods of Brisky. Rod, what's up, my friend? Hey, I am doing great. Glad to be here. It's a good time to be alive. Yes, it is. And we're going to talk about Rod's five misconceptions about alternative investing. Yep. And I want to emphasize that these are Rod's misconceptions. So I'm not going to take ownership of any <laughs> of them. I'm just teasing. No, Rod did a fantastic job putting together our outline today. And uh, we're excited because this concept comes up or this this kind of question of misconceptions around alternative investing pops up in our conversations literally every day. Yep. So for that reason, we thought it probably makes sense to like get out in front of it and have a good conversation around these things because it's everywhere. Okay, Rod. So before we do anything else, why don't you kick us off by defining what alternative investments actually are so that everyone has a reference point for what we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. It. You know, it's funny because uh, we think of alternative investments as being basically anything outside of the stock market, right? So stocks, bonds, yep. mutual funds, uh, that kind of thing. And I just always can't help but just think of the irony of that. You know, like the tr mm, traditional yeah. investing is the stock market. And yet real estate investing, for example, has been around for certainly much longer. Yeah, that, that is, it, it really is interesting. I, I guess the reason for it, and I'm just kind of speaking what's coming to my mind in the moment. So don't hold me to this, but it seems like it must be the fact that it got commercialized. In other words, yeah. the well, a couple of things, the commercialization of the stock market, which mm -hmm. has made a massive, a massive difference in terms of um, the ability for companies, people, everyone to make money. And so from that standpoint, mm -hmm. it's a really powerful engine. And then the, the other thing that comes to mind is just the incredible ease of investing in the stock market, right? We talk about yep. being able to really easily do it through a 401k at work or those types of things. And so mm -hmm. it's been made so easy, so accessible that it's kind of like it's just become what is considered the norm. Mm -hmm. And yet, like you said, many of these other types of investing have been around a lot longer. And we're going to talk about some of the those things, those misconceptions that have maybe been holding people back from jumping into it. Yeah. And I would say for people who, so, and I agree with everything you just said, and, and yet there are people out there, maybe their parents invested in real estate or, or, you know, were business mm -hmm. owners or whatever. And so it just feels natural for them in the same way that it feels natural for people just to gravitate toward the stock market. Right. So we'll get into more detail on this, but, but I think familiarity skews our view of investing in some of these other things. Okay. So uh, you, you want to start with, with kind of talking about what is an alternative investment? Yes. Again, anything there. outside of the stock market. So okay, it could be real estate in a lot of different forms. You could own real estate directly and you, you're the landlord. Uh, you can have uh, invest in kind of crowdfunding syndications and, and other ways of, of group funding in, uh, into real estate, et cetera, right? Lots of different ways. Uh, it could be in a business. And again, lots of ways. It could be your own business. It could be your friend's business and you're just becoming an investor in that. It could be venture capital. 
right? Where, where you're participating at that, you know, kind of, again, crowdfunding type of thing. Um, it could be precious metals. It could be notes, right? Hard money lending or, or a lot of different mortgage notes and other things that, that you can get into in funds. Uh, cryptocurrency, obviously, we talk a lot about cash value life insurance. You know, that, that obviously fits in this category. Oil and gas and other commodities. I was talking to a guy last week who, who was talking about how he, he lives in Utah, but he invests in cattle in Texas. So he literally owns these, you know, whatever number of, of, you know, longhorn, you know, whatever works that are wandering I mean, around like, in the, there's, you know, well, that's Texas. it. There's so many so. ways to invest. Right. And, and you can be pretty creative with it. So yep. I haven't run into a ton of people that are investing in like other people's cattle ranches, Yeah, but it doesn't surprise me. Like you can, you can go and invest in so many different ways. It's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. And one last one is collectibles. We talked to people who, uh, again, a car collection, right? And, and, you know, you automatically might think, well, you know, people may, may just own a lot of cars because they like those cars. And, and that's certainly true. And yet there is a, there's, they carry value and the value can go up over time as they become, you know, vintage and all these kinds of things. And so, so Rod, are you suggesting, it sounds like what you're suggesting is that if you want to make a really solid investment, a really solid investment, you go out and you buy that brand new, Maserati <laughs> and you drive that thing and enjoy it and then you just sell it for more. That's easy. I, I'm not pretending to know if that's even possible, <laughs> but uh, but there okay, are those but what who you do. do know is that we have run into people who make money yep. investing in cars, right? Yeah. So kind and of an here's, interesting here's niche. another one that's interesting. Watches. I talked to a guy who 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 knows that world and and invests, literally invests in watches. Uh, cause they not only carry value, but they increase in value again. I mean, who, who knew, but okay. You know, so and, let's be careful about these. They don't, some do, if you're probably skilled and know what you're doing, that's they it. Can, yep. that can happen exactly across it. really anything, right? Yep. I mean, memorabilia, yep. how often do people invest in like yeah. sports memorabilia and, yeah. you know, cards were really popular back in the day and it seems like yep. they're, they've made somewhat of a, of a comeback. So. Yeah. NFTs, Rod. We didn't talk about NFTs. That's another oh, one yeah. kind of in the cryptocurrency type that's, world. So yeah, there's just uh, there really are a hundred different ways that you could invest inside of the the alternative space. Now we kind of have our core stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. real estate's kind of at the core of it, and yep. and maybe some niches within that. Um, but I think it's important to know just that there's a lot of availability, and and it's kind of interesting. You can kind of you can kind of pick what you're interested in. And almost make investing, you know, connect with what you're interested in. And that's Absolutely. one of the cool kind of unique things about uh, playing in the alternative space. Yep. Okay, Rod. So we went through our list. Uh, I think it's a pretty thorough list. Really quick. Real estate, business, precious metals, notes, cryptocurrency, cash value, life insurance, oil and gas, other commodities, collectibles, cars, watches, art. We talked about NFTs. So we kind of hit a pretty broad spectrum. Sounds okay, good. Rod. So now that we've talked, to, we've talked about and defined what the actual, what alternative investments consist of, had a pretty good thorough list. Let's talk about what those actual misconceptions in are. And I think number one might be the most widely spread. So I'm glad mm -hmm. that you put it there. But the first one is that alternative investments are inherently more risky than investing in the stock market. And that seems um, to be what people think. That's just kind absolutely. of the general conception. And I think it really goes back to what you said earlier about just familiarity and and the idea that the stock market is ubiquitous, 
We don't even have to think about it. I mentioned the stock market and people just know what that is. I've never met anybody that didn't. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. They're literally, I mean, it, it doesn't matter how old you are, right? Uh, my kids know what the stock market is because, you yeah. know, they see the tickers and they see. Yeah. So it's just become so commonplace that by the time you get to a place where you actually have money to invest, it's almost just become, you know, the obvious, simple, straightforward place to do it. Mm -hmm. And again, a lot of it's just kind of that following the crowd mentality, right? We right. just don't think outside the box to realize that there's more opportunity out there. And so again, moving into alternative investments is kind of like, it's kind of like starting your own business, right? Like right. you're kind of moving into this world that's not as common. Um, it's not as visible. And so you have to do a little bit more work to find those areas to where you can really learn it and dive into it. Yeah. And so as it relates to risk, the misnomer is that you're, the, when you invest in the stock market, you're taking on risk. And and I, I think people understand that. Sure. And yet- uh, again, going back to the whole idea of just familiarity, what we think we know about the stock market seems to uh, lead to a, a, this perception that there's less risk than something that I don't know as much about. It just must be more risky. If if mm, yeah, if it were if there were uh, if it was the same as in investing in the stock market, then I'd know more about it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And again, it's ease, it's simplicity. Yeah. So those things come into play. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about. Um, just the simplicity of it and talk a little bit about this concept of risk adjusted return. Cause this is one yeah. that I've hit on a few times and I think it's important. Most people, again, just don't understand the concept. And I think shedding light on it is kind of that first step to making sense. Yeah. And, and I think it begins with just opening your mind that there may be other things out there that can be valuable that I can invest in that may or may not carry the same risk as I'm, I'm taking on when I invest in the stock market that I may not even know about, right? I'm investing in a mutual fund and someone else is making all the decisions about what, what gets included in that mutual fund, right? And so, uh, but here like risk adjusted return. So, so take real estate as an example, right? Um, I agree. It would be more risky for me to go and invest, like buy my own property right now at this moment uh, say for example, in Utah, then it yeah. would be to go buy, you know, whatever Tesla stock. Right. Oh, that's, that's suspect Rod. I don't know. It's, but you don't, Tesla's yeah, you don't know. Doozy. Right. But, <laughs> but just what I know about the market right now yeah. in Utah is that it, it wouldn't, yeah, be it's hard to find, to it's hard to find property, great deals. Right. Yeah. So, but at the same time, uh, you know, we, we often talk about Western wealth capital as a, a syndicator, that you can invest with. And I have uh, all the confidence in the world because of the process that they use when they are considering a property, acquiring it, putting it in place, up, you know, upgrading it, all of the different pieces that they have that they, that they use that as far as uh, the risk associated with it, I feel like there's very little risk in, in investing with them as, as an example, right? As an operator that I have confidence in. And so risk adjusted return is just saying, if I can go with them and get a 20 to 30% annualized return, I feel like that's less risky than investing in Tesla, for example, right? Could I get a 20 to 30% return with Tesla? Absolutely, right? They're, they're doing amazing things and and like all the things that Elon Musk takes on, you know, are, are like grandiose. And the gold, but yeah. And, yeah, and, and absolutely could. Um, but... Is it more risky to do that than it would be to to go again in the syndication? 
for me at this moment, I feel like it is more, it would be more risky. And so it's just hard to throw a blanket over everything and say all alternative investments or even just all real estate or even all crypto or whatever, right? Is, is more risky than whatever investing in something I'm more familiar with like Coca-Cola or, or whatever. Hey, sorry for the interruption. Just wanted to let you know that you can take the F3 assessment right now over at moneyinsights.net. And after the short five minute assessment, you'll get specific recommendations that will help you move from high income to high net worth. Enjoy the rest of the show. And, and I think historically, this it's just important for people to understand that the risk-adjusted return, there is like a calculation to create risk-adjusted return, right? Mm-hmm. And real estate historically has had a better profile from that standpoint than, say, the stock market. So, yep. um, and I always I always say this, but it's not that I don't think there's a place for the stock market, but, but today we're going to focus on the misconceptions. So if it sounds like we're beating up on the stock market, we probably are a little bit. Yeah. Um, but again, I just want to emphasize that for the right in the right situations, it's not that it's bad. It's just that um, as a general rule, we like to invest in the alternative space first and then in you know situations where we need to like a defined benefit plan or something like that might make sense to be in the market. OK, Rod, number two, misconception. Alternative investments are more complex. Yes. And this gets... Again, I'm going to go back to this whole familiarity uh, idea that some something happens in our brains when when we're more familiar with it, we think we understand it, and if we're less familiar with it, then it it just has all kinds of you know warts and holes and and things like that. Well, well and it's even like it's even just like I, I don't even think it's red flags. I think the familiarity doesn't necessarily make us poke a hole in it. It's just a it's just the concept of comfort, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. it's because it's around us, we talk about it, we think everybody else is doing it. For that reason, it naturally feels comfortable to us. Yeah. Now, when we go to something that's a little bit different, that's not as in front of our face, mm-hmm. like that feels different. To you. That feels uncomfortable. It's just the way we're built. Yeah. And so we have to overcome that. And what's funny is, is that once once people move into that alternative space more often, they feel the opposite way, right? Yeah. And so it, it's just an interesting dynamic, but I really think it has to do with with familiarity comes a level of just natural comfort. Absolutely. And, and I'll give you a good example. Uh, so people who think they know, you know a lot about the stock market are often shocked to find out that there are uh, more costs, more fees involved in, in investing than they thought. And so here's a good example, right? So let's say you traditionally invest in mutual funds and you uh, get to the end of the year and you find out, hey, my my mutual fund uh, grew by 10% this year. That feels yeah. pretty good, right? Yep. Well, what they don't realize and, and aren't thinking about is that their actual return was really probably something like 7%. Because if you paid your broker a percentage to help you with it, all of the transaction fees. So there are seen costs, there are unseen costs that, that are real and... And so you might end up with a, like a 3% fee. And what's interesting is you're paying that 3% fee no matter what. So then it goes up 10%. You really only uh, realized 7%. If it went down 10%, you actually lost 13, right? Because you paid the 3% <laughs> either way. Yes. Right? Okay. So we might be exaggerating it. Okay. I say that. And there are places where we've seen people who are paying 3%. Especially in, in a 401k when, when you add another layer, right? So sure. Yeah. There's, there's definitely opportunity in, you know, like a variable annuity and things like that, that are, that are 
attached to just high fees. And so I think the misconception here is just that they are inherently simpler, but also less expensive. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that, that was a, that was a struggle for me to get out. But again, I think the emphasis here is that people assume that it, when we get into something that's less familiar, that the fees associated with it, because it's unique and different, naturally are going to be more absorbent than what we're dealing with on the on the market side. And what you're suggesting here is just that we generally, or we talk to people that are savvy and do know, but most people mm -hmm. don't even know what they're paying in their brokerage accounts. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Yep. Yeah. And, and maybe just to kind of nail that home is the kind of the whole point of bringing up the thing with the fees is when someone is getting into something that they're less familiar with, they dig deeper for good reason. And yet when they feel like they're already familiar with it, they don't feel the need to dig. They just feel like, oh, well, it, it just is what it is. If it went up 10%, then I gained 10%. We just, we run into so many people who get to this realization that, ah, it wasn't 10% or it wasn't whatever, right? I'm, I'm not growing. My money's not growing in as much as it should be based on what they're telling me I'm earning because of all these fees. And, and so, you know, regardless of where you invest, just, just right. Understand it, dig into it. Un get into the different layers and, and, uh, understand what you're, what you're investing in. Okay. Rod. So the first alternative invest, the first misconception is that alternative investments are riskier. Second one is that they're more complex. Third one, Rod, is that it requires more money, requires more capital to get involved with them. Talk about yeah. that. I think the, the biggest place that this comes from going back to real estate is, a lot of people are unfamiliar with the different ways that you can invest in real estate. They think that the only way to do it is to to go buy your own property. And especially now, you know, recently with this big jump in in property values, if it's like, well, even if I'm getting, you know, 75% of the purchase price uh, through a, a loan from the bank, I still have to come up with 100, 200 grand in order to get a decent place. Yep. And so uh, that that's admittedly for a lot of people, uh, a big number, a big nut to crack, to get started. And so it just, but if I can go buy mutual funds, I can put, you know, 50 bucks toward us depending on which, you know, fund I'm getting into, but you know, I can do that. So well, the, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say what they've done is they've changed the game more recently on the, in, on the alternative, in the alternative mm -hmm. space, like over the last few years, they basically, it started to become normalized and there's places where you can invest small chunks at a time. Whereas yep. that wasn't historically available. And so, so like the, the misconception here again is rooted in some truth. And, and the truth mm -hmm. is that historically alternative investing has required more capital initially to get involved with. And what's really nice is that because of the various ways, like you're saying, Rod, the various ways that exist to invest in real estate and other types of things, it, you can almost invest in any type of asset nowadays um, with starting with a relatively low number of dollars. Yep. Yeah. So we're familiar with, uh, funds like a mortgage fund comes to mind where you can start with as little as a hundred bucks. Right. Yep. And, and in the real estate, you know, some of these syndications, it might be like a $25,000 minimum for accredited investors or things like that. Uh, but again, that's a much lower number than the couple hundred grand that we talked about a minute ago. So uh, again, yes, that's a bigger number than getting to the stock market. I guess my whole point was just to to maybe help people see that it just may not be as big as you think it is. 
right? Yeah, and and there's likely ways to do it. Like at the at mm-hmm. the end of the day, if you have the desire to get into the alternative space, regardless of how much money you have, there is a way to do it without yep. question. Yep. Okay, Rod. Number four is that it requires more time to invest in the alternative space. Is yeah. That true. Well, uh, I Can think be, I guess. I think it is true for most of us. Again, the person who shows up at the at the office and and the HR director says, "Okay, sign here," and now you're you're in, like you're you're starting to invest in the stock market. So, so from ease, that standpoint, it might be a little bit more time. Yeah, they make it easier uh, over there. Uh, and yet, if kind of going back to what we talked about a minute ago, if, if we are going to put in the time to understand what we're investing in, then maybe not, because it's going to take research on either side. If, if I want to truly understand what I'm investing in and, and make sure that it's, you know, I'm comfortable with it and that's what I want. Well, okay. So that's the key. That's really the key. It's about you as an individual investing time into anything that you're investing mm-hmm. in, right? So mm-hmm. like the familiarity with the stock market doesn't necessarily mean that we know it any better. We just mm-hmm. have a familiarity and a comfort with it. Um, and so what you're saying here is just that it, from a time standpoint, the misconception is that it doesn't have to take more time. Often it can take more time because of the fact that we have to create this uh, familiarity with what those things are and where yeah. we go to find them. And so maybe maybe it's less of a misconception that, that it requires more time initially, but ongoingly it can be as passive as you'd like it to be, right? Absolutely. Yep, absolutely. And, and maybe another piece to put on this as far as it relates to time where uh again it, it is rooted in truth is with a lot of the the alternative investments there may be a lack of liquidity for a period of time so i, I mentioned western wealth earlier uh when yeah, i invest with them i know that it's going to be likely three to five years before i'll i'll get my original capital back right and so uh that may be true. And and yet I, when I say that, I can't help but think, you know, the, the kind of Dave Ramsey voice in, in my head is saying, yes, but investing in the stock market is for the long term. Right. So, well, the, and the maybe more so than there that. Is, okay. Finish Rod. Yeah. The message there is that uh, don't freak out when, the, when market is down or whatever, uh, just, just wait it out. You, it, it, we're investing for the long term. And so I get, it's a kind of a liquidity thing. And yet that that's, that that's the mindset for so many people going into investing in the stock market as well. Okay. And the other issue is that most of the time it's happening inside qualified plans. So the intention there is for it to be long-term. That needs to be. Yeah. From a time standpoint, um, most voices, most financial voices are saying, throw as much money into your qualified plans as you possibly can. And of course the challenge there is that when you want to get them back, when you want to get that money back, you could pay a fee for it and you're definitely going to pay taxes. Right. So, so yes, I think the the kind of core point here, and really with all of them, like you're saying, is that they're not always true. And mm-hmm. the misconception is when it's used as a statement of fact and trying to make it a broad statement of fact. Because in reality, again, the the world that we live in today, you can just do all of the same things. I can just go sign a few pieces of paper and get into a crowdfunding deal. Mm-hmm. In fact, I don't even have to sign paper. I can just go on and you know, do it online and start, start putting money into cryptocurrency or NFTs or really anything. And that's kind of the core here. Now, what we're not suggesting is just going, you know, rampantly finding things and throwing money there. Um, But we are suggesting that 
at its core, the alternative space is just as easy. Once you get your kind of foot in the door, mm-hmm. it's just as easy to invest as anywhere else. Yep. Okay. Rodney, did we hit number four strong enough? You feel I good about good. that? Yeah. Think so. Okay, number five on Rod's five misconceptions about alternative investing that you have to invest in the stock market first. Okay, Rod, I feel like we're just beating the stock market to death today. So I guess you're just going to keep piling on. So go for it. It's the culprit. Okay, so so the idea on this one is just that so many of the voices out there say, okay, alternative investments may have a place, but you have to invest in the stock market first. You can't just, you know, jump in on on some of this other crazy stuff, the weird things like real estate and and you know businesses, whatever. Yeah, we don't want to get um, wild and crazy by yeah. investing in real estate and business. Get yourself in, you know, create a firm base first in the stock market, and then if you want to diversify outside and do some other things, then then go for it. But but that's kind of the message that I see a lot. Okay, so why is that a misconception, Rod? Why don't you have to do that? Well, I know that I meet people on a regular basis who don't do that, ah, okay. and they're and they're not uh, they're not hurting in terms of their ability to build wealth. Okay, so at the end of the day, Rod, number five misconception: you have to invest in the stock market first before you can diversify into alternatives is simply not true. It's just not necessary. Okay. So game, set, and match around alternative investment misconceptions are five riskier than the stock market, more complex, requires more capital, requires more time, and finally, you have to invest in the stock market first. I think we have debunked all of those things, Rod. Did you Sweet. say so? Yeah, and I, and I just want to clarify. So a couple of times you said these are Rod's five misconceptions. They are. And they were my, I used to have these misconceptions, and now I've come to the light. Ah, okay. I see where you're going with that. So those are not, you do not, they're not possessive. Like you don't, you don't still have those. Yeah. Those were yours at one point in time. Yep. I'm I'm done. Okay. So if you can go down that path, Rod, then anybody can, right? Yeah. Yep. All right. I like it. Okay. So let's talk about kind of what to take from this, Rod. From your standpoint, what are the core takeaways from these five misconceptions? Yeah. So I think number one is to know what you're investing in. Even if it's, uh, seemingly familiar, you think you understand you know, and know what what's going on. Uh, make sure you're digging deep. You know, do the research, understand uh, if it's on the on the stock market side. Again, like you said, fine. We don't we don't we're not opposed to people investing in some form in the stock market, but just know what you're investing in and and how the fee structure works and those kinds of things. Same thing on the alternative side. If you want to get investing in real estate, uh, understand what you're getting into and, and regardless of what route you choose, for example, if you do the syndic- go the syndication route, then understand the operator and, and make sure that you're absolutely comfortable with what they're doing. Because in that world, it's not as much about the specific property as it is about what they're doing with the property and how they acquired all those different pieces that, that the operator brings to the table. So I think that's number one, really know what you're investing in. Number two is, uh, that you can rely on experts. You don't necessarily have to become the expert in all things. Um, and that's true on both sides. We do that with with mortgage brokers, uh, with our kind of 401k uh, professional, you know, that, that we work with there. Same can be true in investing in real estate. There are people that you can 
become to to trust and understand and, and know their approach and and be comfortable with that and that helps add a level of comfort when you are investing and then third i would just say either way you need to be the quarterback of your investment portfolio so even if even if you are using a stockbroker uh still stay involved understand what they're doing and, and direct them right we we meet with a lot of people who who thought that all, all they needed to do is throw their money at this person and, and then they'll take it from there and and then found out that maybe maybe doing that wasn't the best idea right because they just didn't understand they didn't know what was happening behind the curtain until later and it wasn't that they were that the person was you know dishonest or whatever but but they just uh they just didn't understand and later found out and, and were unhappy about how those decisions were being made to invest and but if they had stayed more involved then then maybe it wouldn't have been as bad but again the truth the same is going to be true on both sides right you, you be the quarterback you kind of call the shots make sure the re- experts that you are relying on know what you want and and are acting on your behalf to, to accomplish those things can i just say rod you're making investing sound like an awful lot of work can i just tell you there has to be some work okay so i have some thoughts on this before we before we uh close things up here. Here's my thought. It requires some effort on the, on the front end, particularly (laughs) here's the deal. There are several simple, very passive ways to invest, whether it's in the market or whether it's in the alternative space, you can do it. And so we hope that, uh, Rod's list doesn't scare you too much because there is some effort that usually is required on the front end, but you can absolutely be someone that decides to do it passively, right? We have many, many high income earning, um, as an example, physician surgeons that work 15 hours a day and, you know, and they still manage to prolifically invest in real estate. So it does require some effort, um, but it doesn't have to require long-term ongoing significant effort if you want to be a passive investor. So I just wanted to kind of clarify that in case people were thinking like, gosh, Ooh, this sounds like a lot. Where do I start? Yeah, that's a great point. Okay, Rod, I, I, I feel like we need one more piece of advice before we close it up. If if you're someone listening to this and you're thinking like, okay, I do want to get into the, in, the alternative investment space. Maybe I actually have been feeling one or more or more of these misconceptions. Where do I start? What do I do next? Like, how do I get involved if that's something I'm interested in? I think one thing you said earlier really helps with that. And that is people have interests, right? And so, or, or they have friends, you know, that they may know that, that are in this space. And so if you can build on things that you already know as a starting point, and, and so you brought up the Maserati example earlier, and that's, that's not my world. I know nothing about that, but if you're someone who does, then maybe that's an interesting place to start. Right. And so, uh, you can amplify your efforts by what you already know as a starting point, or like I said, rely on a brother, a friend, you know, parents, who, who have some level of, of knowledge and, and help that kind of give you a, a jump start, Or, or perhaps the hosts of the money insights podcast could, that's possible. could give you some direction on where to go. Ah, Here's my cool. advice. If you want to get involved in the, in the alternative space and don't know where to start, we are happy to point you in the right directions. Talk Absolutely. to us. We'll make sure that we do it. Okay. Rodney, I love your list. Those were the five, those were Rod's previous five misconceptions around (laughs) alternative investments and we will see you all next week on the money insights podcast 
Thank you for listening to the Money Insights Podcast. To learn more about the financial and business strategies discussed in this show, please visit moneyinsights.net. The views and opinions expressed on the Money Insights Podcast are not intended to be individual financial, tax, or legal advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making financial decisions. And if you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This will help others find the show and learn wealth building strategies for themselves. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.